Hello everyone, I am Dr. Michael Platten and welcome to Two Peas in a Podcast. I'm just popping in before our next episode to say thank you to everyone for joining us and also to all of our international listeners as well. Today we are going to be having a specialist, ENT, joining us, an ear, nose and throat specialist, who is joining us to talk about grommets. And we actually had quite a long chat with him, it took about half an hour, so I'm going to be breaking this uh, podcast up into a couple of podcasts and releasing them week on week. I do apologize for the quality, because I forgot to select our recording microphone and we recorded using the laptop microphone instead. I have tried to make it sound as good as possible, but I hope it doesn't detract from any of the information because the information we've spoken about is actually quite good. Anyway, on with the show. Hello everybody and welcome back to Two Pizza in a Podcast. As usual, I'm Dr. Simon Strawn, and with me is my friend and colleague, Michael Platt. Hello. So we're on episode five of the second season, and we've been through the infections of the ear. We're kind of at the point now of going, what do we do now if we've seen your child and we've treated the ear infection and things just aren't going as well as we would like? So what we do is we refer them to an ENT surgeon, ear, nose, and throat, ENT. And with us today, we have Dr. Ishmael Patel. Hello, Ishmael. Hi, Simon. Hi, Michael. Hi. So, Ishmael, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. I mean, we, we know you well because we've worked with you for many years, but tell people who you are and what you're up to. My name is uh, Ishmael Patel. I'm an ENT surgeon. I did most of my undergraduate study at Wits University and my postgraduate study at uh, UCT. And I've been in practice uh, uh, predominantly in the Bedford View area for over just about 20 years now. And uh, my special interests lie in allergy, but and and particularly sinus surgery. Okay. So that's actually quite interesting. You said that you did your undergrad in Wits and postgrad in UCT. Yes. Simon and I were completely opposite. <laughs> undergrad at UCT and postgrad in Wits. <laughs> Both of us, that's right. Yes. So, you know the kind of patients we refer to. So, we generally will refer a patient to you where we the child has had a number of bouts of ear infection, generally otitis media. So, they will arrive at your rooms with an ear, middle ear cavity full of fluid, with a, a eardrum that's of a tense, probably not in an acute infection. So, kind of take us from there. So, you look at this, you've got the history your next step would be what? So when assessing a middle ear infection, the first and the most important thing to understand is often, I often tell my patients is to understand three important things. So the first one is to understand is what is the structure? The second one is how do things work? And thirdly, when things go wrong, what's actually going wrong and what do we need to measure? So the first one is to understand the ear is divided into three portions, an outer, a middle, and an inner ear. The middle ear is the most important structure about the middle ear. It's almost like a little cave or cleft. It's bounded on one side by the uh, eardrum. It's got three little bones inside. There's a little space. But the main thing is a structure that connects the middle ear to the back of the throat. And that we call the eustachian tube. Or very simply, that's the tube when we fly or we travel that equalizes the pressure between the environment and our, our, our middle ear. 
Now, in an otitis media, it is important to understand that the infection has come either from the back of the nose or the throat, and it's migrated up this tube into the middle ear. The middle ear is now blocked because the eustachian tube itself is now blocked, and it's not allowing the fluid to drain. So what are the problems? And this is where we're coming to. So the first thing that most of you would see is that these kids actually suffer with recurrent infections, which means they are sick more regularly, high fevers, and they particularly don't sleep well. For me, the most important thing is also how are they hearing? And in the early phase of life, between the ages of one to five years old, it, the major thing about it is language development. And these are the two parameters in early life we measure, is how many infections are they having and how is the language progressing. Do you sometimes see moms picking up that their child's a bit off balance? Do you think that's got anything to do with the ears? Maybe if one ear is worse than the other, do you think there's anything to do with that? Extremely. So the middle ear is also just as important in balance. So, so first of all, your speech is developed on how well you hear. But your middle ear plays an important component, although the inner ear is mainly responsible for balance. But because of the pressure exerted by the fluid into the inner ear, it does cause a delay in terms of standing, walking, and ultimately running in kids. Yeah, absolutely. And Mike, I'm sure you see this too. I mean, I, I'm amazed when mom's picking up and going, hmm. or, or I would examine the ear and go, oh, this ear looks terrible. Like, That's why he's been like he has. Yeah. And Just I, not I, being I, and he's been a bit... Dizzy and unsteady yeah. and seems to be stumbling over things a bit. He's also scratching his ear the whole time and yeah, yeah. just doesn't stop. Yeah. I often find the one, the common one, the parents tell you, my child tends to be clumsy. Yes. Mm. Mm. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Absolutely. So, and so, okay, and then your next step? So, once we've determined that medical or conservative treatment's not working, then we would consider the insertion of a grommet or what people refer to as a ventilation tube. So, what is a grommet and what is a ventilation tube? So can, I, can I just quickly jump yeah. back? Uh, you're saying when, when it has failed. So, at what, which point would you say that medical treatment has failed before we move on to surgery? Or can you say enough's enough? Yeah. We tried enough. Yes. We don't want to keep going with this now. Yeah. So, it would, be, uh, it would be a good course uh, or, or multiple courses of antibiotics. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's evidence to suggest, uh, is there evidence to suggest that things like uh, decongestants uh, work? The answer is it's a toss of a coin. In some patients it will work and in some patients it will not work. Then the other drugs that have been tried are, are corticosteroids or, uh, or cortisone. Uh, again, that's like a toss of a coin. It may work or it may not work. And the last one is antihistamines. In some patients, sometimes the antihistamines, instead of being productive in allowing the tube to open, actually thickens the fluid and actually makes the problem worse. So these are things that we can try. So it would be failed recurrent courses of antibiotics, failed therapy on decongestants, antihistamines, and possibly cortisone. So then grommets, what is a grommet? You're about to explain that to us. So a grommet is a very, very simple device. And the best way to understand a grommet 
is we've got a closed system very much like a, I often tell patients it's like pouring a tin can of oil into your motor car. It's a sealed can on top and at the bottom. So here in the middle here, you've got on one side the eardrum, which is sealing it from the outside world. And in the inside of your throat, the eustachian tubes blocked and sealing it off from the middle ear, uh, from the, uh, the post-nasal space or the back of the throat so it cannot open. So just like when you're pouring a tin can of oil into your car, you make one hole which is the eustachian tube you struggle to pour. You make two holes, you find it's easier to pour because air enters into the system. And that's exactly what a grommet does. We cannot open the eustachian tube, but we want to open that. So what we do is going through the outer ear into the middle ear, we put this little tube, which is less than uh, about a millimeter wide and a millimeter long, into the eardrum. And what it does is by allowing air into the middle ear now, it allows the eustachian tube to open and and that's the true purpose of pogromit. It's actually to open the eustachian tube rather than to actually drain the fluid in the middle ear. So you use the term ventilation. So that's right. So it ventilates. So it means then that if you are an aeroplane and now you are going down and into, you won't need to equalize because it will just equalize on its own through yes. this open tube. So once the eustachian tubes open, it's now an open system. So the air can go through the grommet into the middle ear or from the eustachian tube into the middle ear and out of the grommet. So it's a two-way ventilation system, and that's how the fluid eventually ends up draining, either through the grommet, but in most cases, once the eustachian tube is open, the fluid drains through the eustachian tube into the back of the throat, and you may not see any fluid even after we insert a grommet. So to insert a grommet now, this means the child has to come into a hospital, has to go into the operating theater, be put to sleep, and then you, as the surgeon, will look down the ear canal from the outside with a microscope, right? Yes. And then? And on that absolute cliffhanger, we are going to cut there for this week. Please join us next week for the continuation of our chat with Dr. Ishmael Patel. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you found this of value, please be sure to sign up to our email list at www.careforkids.co.za, and that's the numeral four, and subscribe in your favorite podcast app or follow us on Facebook. At Two Peter in a Podcast. At Two Peter in a Podcast. T-W-O, not the numerical two. This is our disclaimer. The information we have given you in this podcast is our own personal professional opinion. We're giving it to you for your own information. Please don't use it to treat yourself or to treat anybody else. Rather, go and see your own medical healthcare provider and follow their advice.